0: Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person. And I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If any way that, that we can pray for you. If you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. Well, I also want to welcome you to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Welcome to everyone who's here on the Modesto campus. And welcome everyone who's joining us live right now on our online campus. It's good to be together. And I love the sound of people greeting each other. That's a wonderful thing. Thank you, my friend. And it's good to be in a place where people are greeting one another and and getting to know one another. And if you're here and it's your very first time, we want you to know we're glad that you're here. Maybe it's your first time, your second time. And we're glad that you're here. We hope that today's a great encouragement to you. In fact, after the gathering, I'll be in the Welcome Center. I'd love to meet you. If it's your first time, second time here, I'd love to get to know you, welcome you personally. And we're really glad that you're here. Today, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. That's one of the places we're going to be, John chapter 2. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give one to you. On the Modesto campus, we have a room here called the Altar Room. There's two doors right there. On the other side of those two doors is two doors. And on the other side of those two doors is a room. And we pray for people in it after the gathering. We'd love to pray for you after the gathering. But we have Bibles there. They're free Bibles. They're nice Bibles. We'd like to give you one. If you're with us in the online campus, just contact Pastor Brandon Peterson, our online campus pastor, or anyone on our online campus team, and reach out to them and let them know you want a Bible. We want to get you a Bible. We want everyone to have a copy of the Word of God. And we're going to be in a lot of different passages today, but John 2 would be a, a place that you can turn. Before we get into our text, though, I want to talk about uh, just something that's going on in our world right now, and that is it's National Police Week. And this, these last couple years have been a very difficult time for someone to be in law enforcement. This is not an easy career for someone to be in during this time in, in any of the ways that someone would be in law enforcement. And I want to take some time to pray for those who are. Uh, not just on a national level, but here in our community, and to really ask God to help those who are serving in law enforcement. So if you'll join me in prayer. Father God, Lord, I pray for every officer, every person who's working in one of these departments locally here. God, I pray that they would come to know Jesus Christ. Lord, that they would come to know Jesus Christ, that every officer would come to know you and that the gospel would come to them. And Lord, I think about the many, many who are in law enforcement who are a part of our church family right here. And I'm grateful for them. And I'm thankful for them. And God, I pray that you would encourage them and give them boldness that when they they go to work, they would recognize that they're an ambassador for something even more than that badge. And they're an ambassador for Jesus Christ that they would represent Jesus. And so God, I pray for their protection and for their safety. I pray for their families. Lord, and we recognize there are some who have paid uh, the price of their own life in serving in this field. And so God, we ask for you to minister to those families and that you would draw them to you. And so Lord, thank you for those who serve in law enforcement career. And I'm asking for your help, God. Would you do a great work in them? in this community, in this church, in the lives of people we know and love who are right here with us, God. Would your hand be on them? And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 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 We're in a two-week series looking at the women of the Bible. Last week, we looked at a character named Elizabeth when Mary, the mother of Jesus, interacts with Elizabeth. If you wanna see and listen to that, watch that, you can go online, that was last week's. Today, we're gonna look at Mary, and that'll that'll wrap up this two-week series on the women of the Bible. We're going to kind of look at her whole life, a picture of her entire life. The next two weeks, we're going to be in a series about the armor of God, the the spiritual armor of God, looking at, it's going to be called Battle Ready, and looking at what it is to put on the armor of God so that we're ready for the battle that's going on all around us. There's a spiritual battle that's going on all around us. And if you are unaware that you are in the midst of a spiritual battle, it is likely that you are not prepared for it. And so we want to spend some time looking at that together as a church family. That'll be the next two weeks looking in Ephesians 6. But today we're going to look at really the whole scope of Mary's life, of of some, some bits and pieces of Mary's life through a very large timeline. And for the purpose of being able to look at her life and pull out some lessons, some lessons that we can learn for the family from the life of Mary. And it might be that these lessons for the family that we can learn from the life of Mary that you'd say, you know, these are lessons for you. Or they might be lessons for your own family. Or they might be lessons for your household or the people that you're in relationship with. Maybe the people you serve alongside of. Maybe the people that you are in a small group with. But for sure we can look at these as lessons for the church family, the greater family as we look at the life of Mary. So that's what we're gonna do. Three lessons for the family from the life of Mary. And the first lesson, lesson number one, is respond positively to God's activity in your life. Respond positively to God's activity in your life. When God acts, it is very disruptive. When God takes action, it disrupts everything around the action that he has taken. And if you want to see a picture of what it looks like, how disruptive God can be, turn to page one of your Bible and read page one of what happens when God decides he wants to act and how much disruption takes place in the creation account. As God is actively working. And God disrupts Mary's life. And we're going to look here in just a moment about how positively she responds to the activity that God has in her life. But I want you to know, there are times in my life where God has been active and I have not responded positively. My first response was not to be glad that my life was being disrupted but I had a bad attitude or I responded poorly. And maybe you can learn from my mistake and you can not make the same mistake for yourself. And maybe you can learn from the example that Mary gives us and you can model after how she responds as she responds positively to God's activity in her life. You know, one reason, one, one example of a way that I'm so thankful that God has disrupted my life is my life was headed for hell. But God disrupted my life with the gospel. And he brought the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is Lord God and he's Savior from my sin. And he brought that message to my life and he turned my life around. He disrupted me from the direction I was heading and he turns me towards him. And I'm really grateful for God's disruption. But there are times in my life where God has allowed disruption to take place and I haven't responded the best. So we can learn this lesson from Mary. We're gonna look at five moments in this first lesson where God disrupts her life and we see a positive response. The first is the angel Gabriel shows up to her. That's disruptive, that an angel shows up. The angel Gabriel shows up and shares that she's gonna conceive a child. Also, very disruptive in the life of a person, that they would conceive a child. But not only that, but this child was going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. What a concerning and mind-blowing message to receive that this angel comes and gives to Mary. And we see Mary's response in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Right here, we can see some things. Who is she? She says, I'm a servant. That's who I am. And who's in charge? Of the Lord. And what's the response? Let it be to me according to your word. This response right here is a response we could hold on to and embrace and have for all the encounters where God begins to act in our life and he disrupts our life that we would respond in this way. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What a great response and an example for us. Another moment we see where God is active in her life, it has to do with Elizabeth, and again, you can go to the website and last week you can look at this encounter. We're gonna look at it after, but Elizabeth and Mary have this encounter, and Elizabeth shares with Mary that Mary's blessed by God as the mother of Elizabeth's Lord. What a statement to hear from your relative, that you are blessed by God Because Mary was the mother of Elizabeth's Lord. And how does Mary respond? Well, we're going to look at her response in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. Now, in this response, as we read this response, I want to challenge you to think, how will you respond to God's activity in your life? And as you see how Mary responds, may it trigger some things in your own life. Think about what God's done for you and think about how you can also respond to the Lord. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Let's look at that text right there. My soul magnifies the Lord. Are you rejoicing because God is your Savior? Do you recognize that God has looked on the humble estate of you? You know, in my family, I'm able to see how generations have been blessed by God. I can see it from generation to generation to generation to generation as members of my family have turned towards the Lord and how God has blessed them for generations. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Do you recognize the great things that God Almighty has done for you? Do you recognize that he is holy, his name is holy. She goes on, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. What about here? What does this stir up in your life? Do you recognize that God has shown you mercy? Are you aware of the ways that God has shown you mercy in your life? Have you seen his strength at work? I'm so thankful that God has done a work to scatter the proud in the thoughts of their hearts in my own family, that God is doing the work of rooting out pride in my own life, of rooting out pride in my family. It says he's brought down the mighty from their thrones. Do you think that people with great authority and great power, that they're untouchable? Not according to this verse, because he brings them down. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. What about those who seem to have no power and they can make no difference in this world? He's exalted those of humble estate. Do you recognize how God has worked in your life? He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. He's filled the hungry with good things. I'm so thankful for how the Lord has provided for my family. The cupboards in my home have food in them. And when we sit down at the table, actually we don't have one table, we have two tables. We bought a table, then we bought another table, put it next to the other table. We just put the two tables together and the 11 of us sit around it. And when there's plates on that table, there's food on those plates and my children can eat. And I'm so thankful that God has provided for my family. He's been merciful to us, that he has fulfilled his promises to us to take care of us. So we've looked at two moments so far in her life and how she responds. A third moment, it's in the birthing moment, in the birthing room. And shepherds show up. Shepherds who had just been in a field with sheep. And these shepherds say they saw angels and the angels spoke to them. And these shepherds Talk about how this baby Jesus is Christ the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm trying to imagine being in the birthing room and a bunch of guys from the ranch show up. (laughs) Like, how does that go down? This has to be an odd moment. And what is her response? In Luke 2.19, it says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them. What are these guys talking about? What is going on here? Thinking about it. Treasuring them up. A third scene where we see her respond very positively to God allowing disruption in her life. Activity, the activity of God. A fourth one, it's a few days later, and they're bringing baby Jesus to the temple. You know, last week we had parent child dedication, and maybe we can see this moment kind of in that light that they were bringing, you know, the baby to the temple. And there's a man there named Simeon. And God had told Simeon something very interesting. God had told Simeon that he would not die, he would not taste death until he had seen with his own eyes the Lord's Christ. I mean, I wonder if every day he's just wondering, is today the day? Is today the day? He's showing up to work, is today the day? Well, finally he sees this baby Jesus. And Simeon shares that this baby Jesus was his own salvation. Simeon shares that the baby Jesus was Simeon's salvation. What a thing to hear. And that this baby Jesus was going to be a light to the Gentiles. That's everyone who's not Jewish. What a a powerful thing to hear. Amazing thing to hear. They're just showing up to bring Jesus to the temple like they're supposed to do. Amazing. And we actually see the response of Joseph and Mary. Joseph being his earthly father. We understand that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 2, verse 33, it says, And his father and his mother, they marveled. They marveled and what was said about him. Another incredible response of Mary to God's activity. We'll look at one more. So fast forward 12 years. Jesus is 12. They take a family trip. They go to Jerusalem. They lose Jesus. Jesus isn't lost. Joseph and Mary lost Jesus, all right? And I can relate to this moment, okay? Because I've gotten home many times and one of the staff people called me and said, Joel, you forgot your kid again. (laughs) And I remember very distinctly being at the park one day and I had a couple of my kids with me and my wife was doing something else and she called me. And she was talking about the kids that were with her and I was talking about the kids that were with me and she said, well, isn't so-and-so with you? And I said, so-and-so? Am I supposed to be watching so-and-so? So I went home, I found so-and-so in bed still. <laughs> and I thought, thank you, Lord, that uh, so-and-so is still with us, you know? Uh, They say the middle child gets forgotten. Well, when you have nine, there's a lot of middle childs, all right? (laughs) I can relate. I can relate. But they find boy Jesus. Jesus, at age 12, he was not lost. They had lost him. He was not lost. And he was in the temple. And when they find him, he's sitting with the elders and he's talking about the word of God. And this was his response. Don't you know? Don't you know? I had to be at my father's house. I had to be there. I had to be in my father's house. And in Luke 251, we see Mary's response. It says, His mother again treasured up all these things in her heart. She's, she's holding on to them, treasuring them up. Incredible. And I think the reason she's been able to do this is because of her first response we saw: behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I don't know how your interactions with your 12-year-old goes. You know, that tweener, right? They're not quite in the full wrath of teenage yet. And I don't know how that goes for you. But wow, to have a 12-year-old moment and to go, okay, okay, something's going on, and to treasure it up. Now, I wanna share with you two more passages. These two passages don't show us Mary's response. They help see the context of what her life looked like. So we gotta fast forward 30 years from when she sees this promise. Now, it's 30 years later, and we're in the Gospels in this moment. What did people think about Jesus' family in his hometown of Nazareth? Nazareth. In Mark chapter 6, verse 3, we see the answer to that question. What did people think about Jesus and his family in his hometown of Nazareth? Is, this, is not this the carpenter, referring to Jesus and the trade that he had? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? These would have been, we could maybe say they're half brothers because we know that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And are not his sisters here with us? We could maybe say that they're his half scissors, again, because we know that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So this is describing his family. And then look at this. And they took offense at him. They took offense at him. So 30 years later, Mary's family, people are offended by Mary's family. 30 years she's been living with this in her hometown. Maybe some of you can relate. Maybe in your hometown, people are offended at you. Another one. What did the Jews think about Jesus and his mother Mary? What was the perspective the Jews had about Jesus and his mother, Mary. Look at this in John 8, 41. One little phrase that tells us so much pain and so much hurt about what people thought. We were not born of sexual immorality. When they thought about Jesus, the Jews thought we weren't born of sexual immorality. When they thought about his mother, Mary, they thought we weren't born of sexual immorality. What a title to live with for 30 years. She's had to deal with that people being offended by her family, people thinking that she had been sexually immoral, and she knew the truth, and she knew the promise of God, but for 30 years, she's having to live in that context. It's crazy. Tough, difficult, and I thought about, you know, I wonder about I was the, the normal times she had in her life where she's just going about her normal day, and what might that look like? And I saw something in my home this last week and it made me think about connecting it to this moment. My wife has a habit of writing scripture, of reading scripture and then writing it on cards and then she puts them everywhere, okay? So this is a picture, it's on, this is my kitchen counter, all right? And it's, it's got the cleaning supplies, like in a bucket right here, right? So it's got this thing and it's got the cleaning supplies. We've got the Clorox wipes, thank God for those. Mrs. Meyer's clean day, that stuff smells pretty good. This is what the card says. Oh God, listen to my cry, hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry for your help when my heart is overwhelmed, Psalm 61, one through three. I wonder, just like cleaning supplies kind of represent like everyday life, I wonder if there were everyday life moments that Mary had and she just cried out to God. For 30 years, she's had this promise and no one believes her. For 30 years, I wonder if she ever cried out this Psalm in just one of the normal everyday moments of her life. Oh God, listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry for your help when my heart is overwhelmed. I think there's an application that we can see here. And that is to hold on to the truth. To hold on to the truth. What was her response when the angel spoke to her? She said, behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. To hold on to the truth. And when God makes a promise, to hold on to that promise. And I think she's an example to us, which is why we can see this first lesson that she responded so positively to God's activity in her life. I think we can learn from that. Lesson number two wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So time goes on. It's been 30 years from when she received this promise. 30 years later, to some degree, her family's the talk of the town, she is the talk of the town, until this one incredible moment, and in this moment, we see that she has waited so patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Now my friends at Big Valley Christian School are going to help me in this moment and read this passage to us. This is John 12, excuse me, John 2 verses 1 through 12. So let's look at the screens together.
1: The wedding at Cana, John two, one through 12. John two, one through 12. John two, one through 12. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited with his disciples to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone jars there for the Jewish rates of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and bring it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine, he had not known where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee. And the manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. John 2, 1 through 12.
0: John 2, 1 through 12. John 2, 1 through 12. So, lesson number two. Wait patiently for God's promise to be fulfilled. So we pick this passage up in John chapter two. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. So she was invited to this wedding. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. So they're all there. And what we see next is an indicator of how she has so patiently waited for God's promise to be fulfilled. 30 years she's been waiting. And Mary seeks out Jesus for help. In verse 3 it says, when the wine ran out. Now that was a big problem. In that culture, in that moment, this was a big blunder. This was a huge mistake that the wine would run out at an event. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, said to Jesus, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. So basically he's saying the wine's not really my problem. This, this isn't my issue. And this doesn't have anything to do with me. In fact, my hour has not yet come. There's, there's another hour I'm here for, and this isn't it. Now, what I find is really interesting, and we already know how this story ends, You just heard the students read it to you. So you already know what's going to happen next. But what I find is really interesting here is that Jesus does do something. Even after making this statement, he does do something and he performs a miracle and his mom is there. 30 years she's been waiting. And here's now a moment where Jesus performs a miracle and his mom is there. He does it where his mom is present. And he does it where his mom is even a part of the historical narrative of the account. And I just think that's fascinating because for 30 years she's been waiting. She's known these promises. She's had to deal with a lot of offense, a lot of name calling, and here now this moment, Jesus has her included in the moment. And I think there's an application here It's very simple. It's just honor your parents. Just honor your parents. And I think to some degree, we see here that the fact that Jesus had his mom present for that moment, he honored her. And even though he said, this doesn't have anything to do with me, he actually did something about it. So Mary looks to Jesus for guidance in this moment. In verse five, it says his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So she tells all the servants, whatever Jesus says, go do it. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. These are very big, right? These are very big stone jars, six of them in a row for washing. They were large. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. Now, what I find is really interesting here is I don't know when it happens. When does the water actually become wine? Does the water become wine when they poured it into the jars? It did all six. Did, did the water become wine when the servants drew it out? Did the water become wine when they're carrying it to the master of the feast? Or did the water become wine when the master of the feast put, the, put it to his lips and tasted it? And now the water had become wine. I have no idea. I don't know. But the water became wine. Jesus turned water into wine. Incredible. Incredible. In verse 10, and he said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, in other words, when people are drunk, then the poor wine. What's the point here? Well, when people are sharp, like give them the stuff that tastes really good, and when they get a little fuzzy, you know, sneak in the, the junky stuff, right? <laughs> that, that's the point of this verse. I, I think we can all understand what it's saying. But he says, but you've kept the good wine until now. You've kept the good wine until now. The best wine that had ever been made is this wine that Jesus makes. It's the best wine ever. Jesus makes the wine right here. You've kept the good wine until now. It says this is the first of his signs. So the first miracle that Jesus performs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and he manifested his glory And his disciples believed in him. And what I think is totally incredible is that Mary is present to witness Jesus perform this miracle. For 30 years she's been waiting. And she gets to be there to see him perform this miracle. Now what I find really interesting is the next verse. It's in verse 12. It says, After this he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. So I wonder what it was like when Jesus and his mother and his brothers have family time after he performs his first miracle. What do those conversations look like? What does the conversation look like with Jesus and his mom? I wonder if there was a moment at the wedding where Mary was just like, I knew it. (laughs) I knew it. I knew the promise that I was given was true. I knew it. I've been waiting. And I knew it. I wonder if the conversation with his brothers, they're talking to Jesus, man, we knew there was something different about you. Man. You like never made it, you never gotten in trouble. you never made a mistake. What does that conversation look like as they're having literally family time after Jesus just performs a miracle? He turns water into wine. Lesson number two: wait patiently. For God's promises to be fulfilled. Some of you right now, you might be waiting. You are waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And you know God has given you promises and you're holding on to the truth, but you're waiting. And maybe you can borrow some encouragement from Mary's life as she waited 30 years for people to be able to see what she already knew was true. 30 years she waited. Maybe that would be an encouragement to you in your place of waiting today. Lesson number three, submit to God's plan for your life. So lesson number one was respond positively to God's activity in your life. Lesson number two, wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. And lesson number three, submit to God's plan for your life. I'm sure Mary had a plan for her life and I'm sure the plan that God led her in looked nothing like her plan for her life. And some of you right now, you might be thinking, you know, you had a plan for your life also. And your life looks nothing like what God's allowed for your life to look at. And maybe in this moment with this passage we're about to look at, maybe you'll relate to it and you'll understand, you know what? It's okay that my life looks different than what my plan was because God's been active in my life and God has disrupted my life and he's putting me on a new path, he's taking me to a new place. And maybe this will be a great encouragement moment for you, for all of us, just to submit to God's plan for our lives. We're gonna look at John 19. In John 19, verses 25 through 27, it says, standing by the cross of Jesus. We're now 33 and a half years after Mary had received those promises, and she's now standing by the cross of Jesus. Jesus is on the cross. Her baby that she was promised, conceived by the Holy Spirit, Her baby that she was told she was blessed by, by her relative Elizabeth. Her baby, you know, that the the shepherds came, you know, blowing through the door and saying they had heard an angelic message about. Her baby, right, that was uh, told that he was the salvation when they went to the temple. Her, Her baby, who became a teenager, you know, at age 12, who had to be at his father's house, that baby is on the cross. For the purpose to die, standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother. She's there. She's right there looking up at her son on a cross. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene, and when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple from whom he loved standing nearby, and the disciple whom he loved, that's John the Apostle, not John the Baptist. John the Apostle's the one who wrote the Gospel of John. That's John the Apostle's way of hiding himself in his own Gospel that he wrote. He refers to himself as the disciple whom he loved. So instead of putting his name in there, he, he puts that title, and he was there, the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, And Jesus said to his mother, Jesus is on the cross and his mother is right in front of him and he's now gonna speak to his mom. He's on the cross for the purpose of dying on the cross, nailed to the cross. And he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Mary had a son. His name's Jesus. Mary had other sons. We already saw that in the text we look at. But that's not what Jesus is doing here. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, this is now John the Apostle. He said to the disciple, behold your mother. Jesus is on the cross and he's speaking to his mom from the cross. And he says, mom, John's your son. And then he says to John, this is your mom. On the cross, he sets up a family for his mom. Now, his mom had a family. What is he doing? He sets up a spiritual family. Woman, behold your son. To the disciple, behold your mother. And it says from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. What an incredible moment that is. This would not have ever been a part of the plan that Mary had for her life. But she submitted to God's plan for her life, though it was vastly different than anything she had set out on her own. And in this moment, Jesus sets up a spiritual family for his mom. And I think it's an incredible picture of what Jesus has done for all of us. Because of Jesus dying on the cross for our sin, that we might have relationship with God, he has allowed us to be a part of the spiritual family of God. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we now have the opportunity to be a part of the body of Christ, the head of which is Jesus, to, to call God our Father God. And there's an application here for all of us, I believe, that we would engage with the spiritual family. Jesus died on the cross so that the spiritual family could be possible. So let's engage with it, let's be the fulfillment of what Jesus died on the cross to make possible, that we'd engage with the spiritual family. Now, a couple ways I wanna share with you of how we do that. One is really simple through this tool. The Connect card. Maybe you're a first time guest. You can let us know. These are in the seat pocket in front of you. You can let us know you're a first time guest or fill out your information. Maybe there's a decision you're making for Christ at some moment today or another day. Let us know. Maybe there's a way we can be praying for you. Let us know. That's a way to engage with the spiritual family and take a next step. Let me share with you another way. You know, we just spent a significant amount of time as a church family looking at what does it mean to be a healthy, active member of the body of Christ here at Big Valley Grace Community Church. Maybe a next step for you would be, it's time for you to look at what it would be to be a member here. And we have membership classes across all of our campuses. We have a membership class that's available online on demand. You just go to bvg.org slash member. But maybe the application would be, there's a step for you to take to engage with the spiritual family that God has set up for you that Jesus made possible because of the cross. Incredible lessons that we can learn from the life of Mary. How she responded positively to God's activity in her life. How she waited patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. And how she submitted to God's plan for her life. And maybe, maybe this is a moment where we can model after what Mary has done in submitting to God's plan for our life. But let me use a different word than submit, even to welcome it. God, what do you have for me? I welcome your plan for my life. I welcome your activity for my life. It may be disruptive. It may be uncomfortable. But God, I welcome your plan into my life. I welcome your activity into my life. Let's stand. I'm going to close in prayer. Our team is going to lead us in singing. Father God, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in your word. Thank you for how much you love us, how much you care about us. Lord, thank you for how good you are to us. And God, thank you for the activity that you have in our life. And it it can be very, very disruptive. And Lord, help us to respond positively. Help us to wait patiently. Help us to submit to you. Help us to welcome your activity into our lives. And Lord, would your word really encourage us today? we be able to move forward with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.